looking at a section of 12, verses 22-31. Paul, under the power of the Holy Spirit, showing us what our dependence is um, on one another. And um, I believe that this is an urgent message in an urgent time uh, for an urgent people. So if you would please follow as we read the word of the Lord, and then we will um, ask him to teach us. Beginning at verse 20, chapter 12, 1 Corinthians. But now there are many members, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which are deemed less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become much more presentable. Whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all members suffer. And if one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, and various kinds of tongues. Are there not all are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have the gifts of healings, do they? All do not speak in tongues, do they? And all do not interpret, do they? But earnestly desire the greater gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. Father, help us to hear. Help us to have hearts open to this truth. Help us to shake off the entanglements of this life. Father, the, the flawed philosophy of man. Father, let us set it aside and become free in the freedom that we have in the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for drawing us. Thank you for what you've done to your glory, to your praise. Amen. We're looking at a section that I call interdependence. And I've broken it down into three ideas, a proper relationship, uh, the perfect provision, and the proper responses. And, and, and it's coming out of a, a, of a mindset of the have and the have-nots. Uh, it, it is a group of people that I basically look at as spiritually arrogant. He started the church, this letter to the church off was that you are not lacking in any gift. And, and I believe that an arrogance had overwhelmed this church. And what was happening was, is that the mindset and the philosophy of humanity, fallen humanity, had come in to the body of Christ. And they were trying to integrate man's thinking, man's ways, man's purposes, man's abilities, and trying to blend them with the things of God and make a stronger, better church. Um, and it had corrupted. We've looked at it. We've seen that there were schisms in this church. This church was disjointed, uh, and it was not giving off, as, as chapter 12, the end of verse 12 says, it wasn't manifesting Christ. Christ was not being seen. And I've looked at this, and you see that for the dynamic of this living organism that we call the church, There has to be unity. There has to be diversity. Each one has their own place. And it's all based on the sovereignty of God. And when the unity, the diversity, and the understanding of the sovereignty of God are all laid together, then you have harmony. And that's when people are reached with the gospel. They see something that they want. All right. Basically, what you're looking at in chapter 12 is what is the church supposed to be? And there was a serious problem uh, happening in this church. Uh, and um, 
I don't even know where to begin because it is so broken up. You see the argument that he gives uh, 28 of this chapter. He says he's how God has designed the church. God has appointed in the church. And then in 29 and 30, you see that the people were seeking to be arrogant. And what was happening is, listen, if I can't get the relationships in the body of Christ right, how are you going to deal with lost people? I mean, if I have the same Holy Spirit in me that you have in you, and we can't get along, how am I going to deal with the lost? What do I offer the lost that they want? Okay. Uh, And basically what you have in the church, it exists and is loud and screaming arrogantly now, is what I call the have and the have-nots. And I started this last week, this line last week, that there are two lines in this. And 15 and through 17, we looked last week of those who were not content with what they were called to be in the body. They weren't the external gifts. They weren't the showy gifts. They weren't the experiential gifts. They weren't the gifts that would bring the attention to the person. And I believe that those gifts that are external, you will find the most humble people. Because it will only be through adverse, now hear what I'm saying, adverse humility can you ever really handle a gift that brings emphasis to you. Uh, This morning in my Sunday school class, I was kind of touching on this, is that until I as a Christian understand Any given instant in my life, any given moment of my existence, my sin, my flesh has the ability to rise up. Any moment, any moment I have the ability to walk in the flesh. All right. And until I understand that, I will never get over to the position that says I have to lean full weight On the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay. How many in this room right now. Right now. Are absolutely dependent. On the spirit of the living God. Now theologically we're going to say. Amen. Okay. Is that seen? Is that seen? Or are you taking the information you're getting in your Bible studies, your time of preaching, and I'm going out and living by these principles? You can't do it. It's impossible. You're telling me you can crucify yourself? I mean, let's be realistic. Out of self-death, crucifixion is the last one you could ever do. You can't do it. It's impossible. You have no ability to crucify yourself. And yet you are to walk as Christ crucified. See what I'm trying to get at? And so you have people in the body of Christ who don't have this gift out front and they become discontent or they say, you know, I'm just going to sit over here. It's obvious I'm not important and nobody's acknowledging me and nobody's paying attention to me. And, 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 and my gift really isn't that big a deal. You know what you're saying? There's an, a spiritual envy, a spiritual pride that lacks that exists in that person and yet we need to understand if you're not content uh, my gift is not important you know nobody sees what i do paul's argument here is that the gift is necessary listen have you ever thought about the gift of giving you ever thought about that there's a gift did you know that Spiritual gift, a spiritual enabling that allows you to give. How do you see that gift? You see it twice a year. That's it. Why? You see the budget reports. This was the last six months. This is the next six months. And look, my gift was exercised. But nobody knows it was me. Maybe whoever counted the money knows that I did it. But the truth of the matter is nobody knows. Yet, is that gift necessary? Okay, what what about the gift of mercy? How do you see that? Well, unless I'm coming out of the hospital or unless I'm coming out of this situation, this tragedy, who's going to see it? 
Nobody's going to see it. And then it's only going to be that one person or maybe two people that I got involved with. Or the gift of helps. The leadership says, we want to go try to do this. We want to go down this position. We want to go this way. This is how we're going to impact our community. And all the people get in and say, let's go do that. The gift of faith, gift of hospitality. These are all supernatural enablings that God has placed into the body of Christ. All right, let me share with you something. Okay, please hear me closely on this. I've had the privilege to sit under some of the most God-blessed, anointed, powerful teaching and teachers that have ever walked the planet Earth. Please hear me on that. I have been exposed to some powerful men of God who preached in absolute surrender and authority and power of Jesus Christ. They, they literally were overwhelmed when they got behind the pulpit with the person of Christ. You felt like you were sitting in Christ's very present when these men preached. I have been blessed with that. But do you know where my greatest learning has come from? Lives. Because just as I have been blessed to sit under some amazing preaching, amazing God-anointed teachers, I have sat under some men and women of God who had absolutely no attention brought to them whatsoever. And yet their lives were Christ. They gave as Christ gave. They had mercy as Christ gave. They helped. They were so in tune to the body of Christ. They helped before the person ever knew they were in need of help. They had the gift of faith that they would draw together to pray. And then they would share with me, I have prayed about this. So that when God answered that prayer, I got to rejoice that this person's prayer was answered. Do you understand that those people, and some of you who've been in this church a long time, if I told you their names, you know who I was talking about. Some of you who haven't been in, you have no idea. Do you know they had a bigger impact on my life than, say, Dr. MacArthur or R.C. Sproul or Al Mohler or Stephen Olford or David Olford or Wayne Barber or any of these other people? Don't get me wrong. Those are all powerful men of God. Powerful, powerful teachers. But I have people that you have never seen and hear. They've never written a book. They've never been... On radio, they've never been on television. They've never had any accolade whatsoever. And those people had a greater impact in my life than any of the teachers did. Did you know that? Their actions were Christ incarnate. All right? See, the gifts are necessary. But the most powerful are those whose lives are involved and they have the unseen gifts. Okay, which takes me to the next line, verses 21 through 27. Because, see, he starts it again, the argument. Where does he start it? Okay, look how he starts it. Look at verse 14. I want to watch this because this is how Paul writes this. Verse 14, he says, For the body is not one member, but many. Now look at verse 20. Now there are many members, but what? It's the same statement. It's only reversed. Right? He started with the unsightly gifts and went up to the eye and the ear. Now where does he start? The eye and the ear. And he goes backwards. Why? Because he says here, verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Okay? So now those external gifts that you see out front, the, uh, some will call them the showy gifts, uh, the, the, the loud gifts is what I call them. He says, those people, you have a problem of getting a spiritual big head. You have a possibility of spiritual arrogance. You start thinking you're superior. And he says, oh, 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 don't overestimate yourself. He starts now from 
the first line of the inferior people was the inferior hand, foot, eye, ear. Now he goes in the view, view of superiority. Do not overestimate yourself. And, and if you really think about it, if you got a mouth, okay, which is an external gift or an eye, which is an external gift or a hand that is an external gift. If you ain't got a foot, you're useless. Right? You've got to be able to move to the position. That's the illustration of the body. Okay? There are people who have the out front gifts, the speaking gifts is the big thing, and they overestimate their importance. I remember one time I was at a pastor's conference, and I've shared with you some of this. And this guy, if I told you who he was, you'd all know his name. Okay? And I wanted to speak to him and ask him some questions. And this guy blew me off. You're a young pastor. You don't know what you're talking about. And I just spent time with my wife and myself had spent time speaking with Dr. MacArthur. Now that guy sort of got a little influence, but this guy, he, he was sitting out there and, and he, it dawned on me. He had an air of arrogance about him and I kind of bugged me. I thought, well, maybe it's just me or something like that. Anyway, he got to preaching and he had left his zipper undone and his shirt tail was sticking out of it. I have no idea what he taught on because all I could think of was, please stay behind the pulpit. Because that is taking away from the message. And I, that has never left me because I kept thinking he really thought he was something. He did not have time to speak to someone who wanted to ask a question. And God said, you should probably shut up. You should probably shut up. Okay. I see the same mentality when I see people wanting to find big churches. Have you ever thought about it? I was thinking about this. Take a small group like we have. Take a huge church. Okay? Here's a church of 1,000. Here's a church of 25. Which church is more gifted? Have you ever thought about that? They are a complete manifestation of Jesus Christ. Which one is more gifted? Our mind would say, the big church. Truth of the matter is, the small church is going to be more gifted. Why? If I got a thousand people to find the gift of mercy in, I could have a little mercy here, a little mercy here, and a little mercy here. If I got 25 people, then every one of us is going to have some mercy. Correct? Each local body is going to be a manifestation. So which would have the more gifted people? The small church or the large church? It's just a thought. Because whether the body is a thousand people or ten people, it is still the manifestation of who? Christ. It is lacking nothing. But we are going to be drawn, why? To the bigger churches. Why are we? Because we believe they're more blessed. Really? 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 You really believe that? Or is the smaller group more blessed? Just food for thought. Just food for thought. We have the big church mentality. Okay? Listen, there was a huge church in Jerusalem at the birth of the church. And what is God's conclusion? Scatter it. Because it ain't doing what it's supposed to. See, here's what happens. When you have that mentality of, I am superior, they get to the point that they think they don't need others. And that is propagated today. We have what I call spiritual celebrities. We have spiritual superiors. And you know what happens? There's a tendency that is there to... I can do this by myself mentality. The greatest men of God who had speaking gifts that I've seen and that I have been witness to are some 
when you take them out from under behind the pulpit and you sit down with them, okay, they're the most humble people I've ever met in my life. Most humble people I've ever met in my life. You will find that you're trying to pepper them with questions and ask them things about this and that and the other, and they want to know more about you than they are concerned about telling you where they've been and what they've done in education and what they've studied, where they've been used. Verse 21. The eye cannot say, the superior, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you, or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. All right, you can't say you have no dependency on you, on the other part. And he expands that thought in verse 22 of this interdependence. Uh, depending on your translations, it, it may be feeble or weaker. Okay, it says it is much truer that the members of the body which seem weaker are necessary. Okay, listen, here's what he just gives you as an illustration in this context. You know what? You can live without your eyes. You can live without your ears. You can live without the externals. You can live without the showy. But you take what we perceive as the weaker ones, the ones who are not seeing, the ones that there is no focus on, and you will find out they are actually more vital than the showy gifts. Do you know that the gift of giving and serving and mercy are more vital than the gift of teaching? The feeble, the weaker. Listen, you can take the hands and feet. They're outward. They're external. You can cut them off. And the body still lives. The less showy. The internal organs are completely hidden. The vital, they they are essential to sustaining of life. Listen, now, now when you read this here, okay, the first thing we think of is somebody who is theologically weaker or someone who is morally weaker or something. That ain't the context. The context is it is weaker in this sense. And I want you to get this, okay? The only protection that they have is the protection provided by the other parts of the body. You got that? When it says the weaker gifts, the weaker members, the weaker gifted, what he's saying is is that their only protection that they have is the protection that is provided by the other parts of the body. Okay? Listen. You have this huge organ in your body. It's called your skin. It's multi-layered. All right? But if it does not have, now think about this, if it does not have the, the, the protection of the bones, what do you got? They call it a bag. It doesn't do nothing. It just lays there. So when you look at the skin, you say it is important, yes. But is it as vital as the bones? No, they are interdependent. They're interdependent. There are some members who are weak that they are totally, and what I mean by weak is they are totally dependent on the protection of the rest of the members. They're not intended to be up front. They are not tended to be external. You don't want your bones to be external. Okay? It, yeah, if your bones are external, it's a bad thing. It, use the illustration of the skin. You don't want your skin inside out. Right? I, you don't want, I, trust me, you don't want that. Okay? Listen... They can't handle the environment. You got that? There's, it's not that they're inferior. They just can't handle the environment. And God has put all of this around them to understand that they are dependent. I made the comment last Sunday that I'd give anything. If everybody could be a pastor for a year, you will learn interdependence. 
in a way that just will drive you batty at times. Okay, but I also understand that you are interdependent on me. I I wish it wasn't that way. But it's true. It's absolutely true. I have seen it over and over and over and over and over. And there are organs in there are members in this body of people who are absolutely dependent on the other people in this body. Absolutely dependent on the other people in this body. We call it the support ministries. That's what I call them. They support me. You know, there are people in this church who pray for me every day. I don't even know who you are. Now, some of you are probably praying that I'd leave, but, but, you know. But there are people who pray for me every day. There are people who are constantly... I know people on the globe who are praying for me every day. There are people in this body of believers that give. They give sacrificially. I don't know who they are. But I can tell by when the, I know that our budget never bases, the giving, weekly giving is never based on numbers. So I know that there are somebody, there are some in this church who have the spiritual gift of giving. They give supernaturally. Because I've never, I don't, I don't know what people give. I know what I give. And yet I look at the numbers and, you know, I always drive, me and Matt make fun of this. They said, you know, when we got a lot of people, we ain't getting no cash. Okay, when we got about nine, we're gonna get more money than we understand. Okay, and I said if we can get this church down to about three people, we should have a million dollar a year budget. Okay, why? I don't know how that works. Right, but I know that gift exists. I know that the gift of mercy exists in this church. You know why I know that? I know. uh, Last week, uh, and I'll use it again. I know what Stephanie does. Okay, and I know the stuff that I give to her that she has to do. But I want to go beyond that. Have you ever checked out the website? Do you know that you can get this sermon usually within 24 hours of it being preached? And you know, it just, poof, it's there. I don't know how it does it. I don't need, and I don't want to know. Okay. Do you know that we have people who take, we've got a person right now, we've got a couple of people right now who are going through the whole book of Hebrews, and I preached that centuries ago, and they're getting their tapes on a monthly basis. How do they do that? I don't send them any tapes. I don't even know where they're at. How does that happen? Do you know that there are people who order CDs and cassettes of, of messages and past messages that I have preached, and they get them, and I have no idea how they get them? Do you know our grass gets cut? I didn't know how it got cut. I think it just shrinks. We're, we're, we're in a drought again. What about the shoveling the snow? Have you ever wondered who cooks for the king's kitchen? Okay. You know, we pick up the bread on Sunday. How does that show up? Who does that? The preacher? No. Who's in the nursery? I don't know who's in the nursery. And you know what? I have seen this because there are times when these people in different positions and different systems, and there's way more than that. But they they get frustrated. They get discouraged. They feel like they're being taken advantage of. They feel like they're being used, maybe abused. Where do they get encouragement from? Who protects them? Who protects others? Who allows them to function smoothly? Who allows them to function effectively? Smoothly, effectively, in harmony. And you know how I can tell you how it works. As long as the protection is there of the body, please understand it isn't the elders, it isn't the deacons, it is the protection of the body it runs smoothly it runs effectively you know what if i walk away it ain't that big a deal if they walk away it's a big deal who counts the money who makes the deposits of the money who keeps the numbers together that we see who keeps the members who's a member who ain't a member who's in discipline who ain't into who does those things listen those people stop 
Who pays the bills? Oh, we're a nonprofit. We don't pay electric or gas or sewer. How does that happen? What accolades do that they, they get? If they walked away, what happens? We preach in the dark. Leave the turlets alone. There is no water. Okay? See, I can go away. Nobody would ever know. You get some of these other people that's in the dark. Somebody ain't doing their job. Okay? You know, it's vital. You may not even know who they are, and you may never ever see what they do. But they're vital. It's like the music. Okay? We come, we do the music, we see the music, we hear the music, we sing, hallelujah. Have you ever seen what it takes to practice? Or do you suppose it's just spontaneous? No, there has to be practice. Somebody is sacrificing time somewhere for what? A more excellent way in the body of Christ. That is that dependency. Look at verse 23. Those members of the body which are deemed less honorable... Okay, now Paul says, I want to get a little deeper here. I want to get a di- deeper here. And what he's doing is, he's getting at the church in Corinth. And he's saying, you, you've got a failure here to be kind, considerate, and protective of those who don't have any of the showy... The, remember what he says, are all prophets? Do all do healings? No. He says, but you bring all of the, the, the emphasis to those and you're failing to protect those who are more vital. Who are more vital. Realize that even the human body, do you realize that the human body, that's the illustration that he's given, um, compensates for the less attractive parts? Did you know that? Let me show you two terms here in this verse 23. Less honorable, and then you have less presentable. Okay? Less honorable, it may say uncommonly, uh, less beautiful. Okay? Do you know that there's places on your body that your skin isn't as pretty as other places on your body? Okay? So, when you're human, and you've got that body, and you've got sort of this little ugly spot of skin, okay? Do you bestow more honor on that one? No. Yeah, you do. You take more time to fix it up than you do the other parts. You you think I'm kidding? You do? You spend more time to make that one look better. Why? You whip out a MasterCard. $75. I want to make that sucker look better. Right? That less honorable place, I'm going to spend a little more cash to make it look a little more presentable. And I mean, and you get it, and, and I don't know all the details. You know, if you don't wear stripes or horizontal stripes or vertical stripes, what do you do that for? Because I have certain parts that aren't looking quite right and that, you know, um, you know I, do you see what I'm trying to get at? This is what the Apostle Paul's saying is, is that you have these who maybe are not as attractive and you give it more honor to try to make it a little more attractive, don't you? You guys are going to admit to it. The men are saying, I ain't saying nothing. I know how long it took her to get ready and I know that he's flirting with disaster. That is not... <laughs> there are some parts of the body that have a less natural appear, uh, appearance. Okay, They don't appeal quite as much. And I'm not giving any illustration. And we will spend greater effort to adorn it, to make it, um, to accent it, or whatever it is we're trying to do to make it more appealing. Okay, but look what he says next. Okay, deemed less honorable. What do we do on these? We bestow more abundant honor. That's true. Don't we do it? You know, it it may not look quite right, but if I get a certain style shirt or slacks or something like that, I can make it look better than it actually is. Right? I mean, you get... I'm not... (laughs) This is dangerous. (laughs) Okay? 
we will, we will put more abundant honor on that thing, right? Make it more attractive. Then he says here, are less presentable. Okay, he gets a little more. All right, the word here in the Greek literally means the indecent parts. Okay, we have indecent parts. What do we do with them? We cover them. We're supposed to cover them. It is normal to cover private parts. Okay, it's normal. Why? We don't want to see them. Okay? So he goes beyond just the adornment. He says, but for modesty's sake, we even have greater effort. Do you see that? For modesty's sake. All right? How far has our society gotten today, if you look at it, when it comes to the private covering with honor? Okay? If you're really honest with yourself, most of our private parts do you really want to see it. God, that's ugly. Right? I mean, you guys can do whatever you want, but I'm telling you, if you're really honest with it, keep it covered. Okay? I, well, that's just the way I see it. And yet our society says, no, show more. And some of it, I, I've been at stores and malls and seen some of these people that I keep thinking, you should cover that up. That is awful. You make me want to be a monk. But you see what I'm trying to get at? That's what Paul is saying. Even the, there are parts that you just need to keep them covered. And yet you should spend great honor in what? Keeping them covered. And they should be do that honor. We, you know what? Our society today has even exploited what should be held in modesty. Okay? How far has depravity gone? Well, it's in the church. Listen, here's Paul's point. Behind the scenes parts of the body get special effort, special attention, special devotion more than those that are out front who are seen and they don't need it. Okay? Listen. We as members of the body should say, I am here for your protection. Did you hear what I said? You all should be looking around yourselves right now and looking at the next person or people who are around you saying, I am here for your protection. I care for you. I will put more honor on you. The more you need that honor, the more I want to give you that honor. We should be busy making sure we stop to honor people who don't get the honor. Okay? Listen, this is what you're going to see in chapter 13. Love is a verb. It has an action to it. And we should be showing this. There's no independence here. We are constantly acknowledging our gratitude to those parts of the church of Jesus Christ who don't get the attention. It's vital. They are vital. We need us to love, to protect, to honor those parts. Listen, let me tell you something. I can't do what I do without those parts. It's impossible. I have to have people who have the gift of mercy. I have to have people who can go to hospitals and visit people, who can take food to people and can take care of people. Why? I'm supposed to be giving myself to what? Prayer and the Word. That's very time-consuming. Way more time-consuming than I think the average person believes. It takes a lot of time. And I have to have people answering the phones. I have to have people duplicating tapes, duplicating CDs. I have to have people taking care of the website. Or you know what? It leaves. It dies. Listen, God doesn't want any part of the body sitting on the sideline thinking that it's nothing. But He doesn't want any part of the body standing up thinking that it's something. 
First time I went to Russia to teach. You guys remember this. Some of you remember this. I took everybody out there on the front step and said, I'm taking a picture. Right? And everybody's going, well, go. oh, I don't want to do it. No, no, no. I need the people in Russia to say, see, without these people, I can't come. I can't do this without these people. Okay, it's impossible. All right? I don't have a ministry. When I see these people's names in front of their ministries, I look at it and say, yep, that's your ministry because it ain't God's. And I'm happy for you. Whatever the ministry is, I don't care. You put your name on it, it's yours. Happy for you. But you have two kinds of people. Two, two, two people, in the, and if you have the proper relationship, then you're all involved. We're all involved. We should all be passing the honor around where it belongs. Take concern for those who are around you. Too many think for themselves. They think themselves sufficient. They think that they are something. Too many think themselves independent. And it's up to us to minister to one another. Respond to those who are ministering and minister to those in response. Did you get that? Respond to those who are ministering. Okay, now let me put it to you in, a, in, in my vernacular. Respond to those who are serving and serve those who are serving. It's interdependence. Listen, we are helping one another. You help me where I'm weak. I help you where you're weak. We strengthen where is needed, and that is the body. Look at verse 24. Whereas the more presentable bodies have no need of it. All right? This is an amazing step because this is the proper relationship. The people out front, okay, speaking, basically, basically speaking gifts. Do you know that the judgment is in? And the reward is already given. I have mine already. And what is amazing is they're not nearly as vital as the support ministries are. You know what? One of the most shocking events that you're ever going to be a part of, guaranteed, is going to is called the, the Bema seat. Okay? And that is where the rewards are given. Okay? And when you start seeing who gets what rewards, you are going to be stunned. You're going to have all kinds of people, little men and little women, that you have never heard their name whatsoever, and they are going to receive more rewards than John MacArthur. They're going to receive more rewards than Stephen Olford. They're going to receive more rewards than R.C. Sproul. And you know why? Because had they not been there, these people could not exist. I remember one time going to Grace, Grace to You, the radio place. Um, I went to their ministry headquarters and I had a chance to preach and, and I went in there. Grace to you at that time had 19 full-time employees. Okay. 411 volunteers, people who were retired, who were packing up tapes, answering envelopes, counting the money, the, the incoming money and making sure all of this was going on. And you've seen these little old men and women, some of them retired, some of them disabled, all in these great big old long tables full of people. Okay, and I preached a message there on the sufficiency of Christ or the sufficiency of God's word because that is the one that saved my butt. And I wanted to share with them that had you not done that, had it not been on the, I don't know where I'd have ended up, but I understood I was mad at God, I was mad at the church, I was mad at Christians, and I heard a message that came over Grace to You Radio, and that message said that our sufficiency is in the Word of God, not the people of God, not the, the entity that we want to call it the church. Our sufficiency is in the book. And I had the privilege to share with them that message. That message. I would not be here had them people not been doing what they were doing. Okay? I can't do what I'm doing right now without you. Do you know that? You take burdens off of me. You take things that I don't need to be doing. And I praise you for that. When the Bema seat comes, you're going to see these huge awards 
being given to people you've never heard of, never had any idea that they even existed on the planet Earth. The least shall be great. One who is the servant of all will be the one who receives the greatest honor. Did you hear what I said? The one who is the servant of all will receive the greatest honor. Okay? And some, some will be the externals. Not very many. Why? One of the keys to the externals is this. How humble are they? How humble are they? And yet God equalizes. Look at verse 25 and 26. So that there is no division in the body. You know what's going on? There's a division in the body. There's schisms in the body. But that the members may have the same care for one another. What happens? We have a tendency to attract to the speakers. We want to be around the affluent, the ones who are impacting the kingdom. I got news for you. If you don't have the vital gifts, I don't care how good the speaker is. If you don't have the people serving, if you don't have the people giving, you don't have the gift of exhortation and mercy, and you have all them other gifts that are sitting back in the side, nobody ever sees them, them internal organs, them vital organs. You don't have those? You'll never hear them. I mean, it says, how will, they're going to get saved by the preaching of the word, and how, how, how will they hear well, they, through the preacher, and how will they hear if you don't send him? There's no schisms. Now, I want to show you how, how crucial this is because I'm looking at proper relationships. Okay? There's no divisions, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Did you see that word there? Same care? Do you Look around. Do you have the same care for one another? Okay? If you understand that there is unity and yet diversity, then you will have the same care. Then you start drawing into the sovereignty of God. We've already looked at that and touched on it. I'm going to keep going back and forth into it. Do you understand that you are here for His purpose? You are here. You are placed exactly here so that you will have the care for the people who are around you. God said, this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to empower you to do it. Look what He says here. If one member suffers, all the members suffer. You got that? One member is honored, what happens? All are honored. I mean, I mean, he gives a perfect illustration here. Listen, if you have pain in your body, you have a toothache, does your whole body hurt? Does it debilitate the whole body? When you have pain in your body, a little spot pain... Because you don't usually just have whole body on pain. But what does it do to the whole body? The whole body is affected. Okay? Now, when the whole body, when, when you have a little happy thing in the body, right? My head is happy, but my butt is sad. No. When you're happy, is the whole body happy? That's what he's saying. When your body suffers, it's not just at that point that the body suffers. Okay, why? There is no inferior, there is no superior. Okay, let's wrap it up. Now, remember what I started with this thing several months ago. A text that just overwhelmed me was the end of chapter, or, yeah, chapter 12, verse 12. So is Christ. Also, look at verse 27. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. Unity, diversity. And there's parts you can't survive. Let me tell you how important it is. I can cut the hand off. Okay, cut the hand off. Does the body survive? What happens to the hand? It dies. You can remove the eyes. What happens to the eyes? What happens to the body? It lives. Okay? Here's Paul's powerful point. You can't survive without the others. 
I don't care what the gifting is. Okay? Rivalry is impossible in the body of Christ. Listen, there's only one thing possible in the body of Christ. That's chapter 13. Love. Love. That is the analogy of 27. You, we, are what? The issue here. The unity and the diversity point to the oneness of Christ, point to the oneness of the church. And all are vital for the purpose of Christ. That is the interdependence. And yet we have to have the proper relationship that there's no single person in this room right now more important than the other. None. None. Each and every one of you are absolutely vital. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your bride, your, your church, Christ. Christ in us is the hope of glory. And yet Christ manifests through us is the hope of the lost and dying people. Father, may we understand, regardless of our giftedness, you have appointed, you have given, and you have placed us where we need to be. Thank you. Thank you that in your sovereignty, in your power, in your wisdom, in your knowledge, in your understanding, you point us where we need to be. Father, may we draw deeply from this understanding to your praise, to your glory. In Christ's name, amen.